Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Look around you. You're surrounded by them. In fact, you're probably listening to me, thanks to them. Because inside almost every electronic device are tiny chips called semiconductors. Microchips are incredibly important to our daily lives. Just look at our devices here. We can't have these kinds of devices or drive modern automobiles without these semiconductors. Their shortage in the last couple of years, largely due to COVID, is why you've had to wait longer to buy a new car or a whole host of electronic appliances. GM announcing it's extending a temporary shutdown at plants due to the chip shortage. And Sony says it can't produce enough new game consoles, again, citing that same issue. Given how vital semiconductors have become to our way of life, why was a British manufacturer that produces them allowed to be sold off? And could the government now change its mind? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, chips on the table, Britain and the semiconductor race. A factory in Wales employing 800 people might not sound key to British industry, but what they make at Newport Wafer Fab is critical to British national interests. So critical, in fact, that its sale to a Chinese-owned company is now being reviewed by the British government, with a final decision expected soon. My colleague, Katie Prescott, the Times' technology business editor, has been following the industry closely. I have to say, I've been a business journalist for 10 years and I've never, never reported so much on the semiconductor industry. (laughs) It is hugely important. Semiconductors are essentially sort of brains of modern electronics, if you like. And what that means in something like your iPhone or your digital radio or the air conditioning or your washing machine is it allows you to have far greater control over what the device does. So unlike a kettle, which you just switch on and off, a semiconductor is a much more sophisticated electronic device. They're essentially 
teeny tiny little chips with a lot of these materials built onto them. And they're extremely, they're extremely pretty, actually. If you see one close up, they look like a little city. And that is the brains of something like your iPhone. So as the world digitizes, as we move towards, you know, renewable energy sources, for example, solar panels rely on semiconductors because they also are able to take light and turn it into energy. As we move towards electric cars, automated vehicles, suddenly the whole world is relying increasingly on these chips. And over the decades, the um, manufacturing of semiconductors has really shifted to Asia. What happened during the pandemic when there was a shortage of them suddenly made people realize, okay, these are vital for the development of future industries. And so governments are starting to wonder about how they can take control of those supply chains and bring that manufacturing back. That's so interesting. Was that the moment that the public suddenly became aware of semiconductors and why they matter? It's really funny you say that. I was speaking to someone who runs the semiconductor practice at McKinsey, the big global consultancy, and he was saying no one had ever showed any interest in his job before. <laughs> but suddenly all the parents at his kids' football practice wanted to speak to him about when they were going to get their washing machines. Because, you know, that's when people really start to notice, right, when the electronics that you take for granted and that you just used to order in the past aren't there because of this shortage. And it was really acute. I mean, for car manufacturers to shut down production is really quite something that costs them a huge sum of money, but there just weren't the parts for them to keep going. And that was all because of semiconductors. All because of semiconductors. And one of the country's leading manufacturers of semiconductors is that factory in Wales that I mentioned earlier. Somewhere in a corner of South Wales is a place that feels like it's from another planet. This is the Newport Wafer Fab. Newport Wafer Fab was designed by the architect Richard Rogers in the 1980s. It's quite a striking building. You could say it looks a little bit like the Pompidou Centre, with pipes round the outside of it. So it's been part of the UK's semiconductor industry for an extremely long time. Last year, Newport was taken over by Nexperia, a Netherlands-based company with Chinese owners. It shot to the centre of everyone's attention, because it may not be a place that you've heard of. When it was bought by the Chinese-owned semiconductor business Nexperia last year, what that meant for the people working there was the signs above the door got changed. Their payslips got changed. They suddenly got paid by Nexperia. And that's the case a year on. And the reason I bring that up is because that acquisition of Newport Wafer Fab by Nexperia is currently under review by the UK government under national security legislation, which came in earlier this year. They have the powers if they think that it's a national security risk, either because intellectual property they feel might go to China or even perhaps that it could be an economic risk because of the importance of the semiconductor industry. Now, as you can imagine, this is a time of huge uncertainty because since the start of the year, they've had to face the fact that the people who've been paying their wages might be replaced by another. The business might have to be sold on and they don't know what's going to happen. And that is for the 800 people who are working there, as you can imagine, an extremely difficult situation. And Katie, have you spoken to any of the people? Do you know what it's like for any of the individuals who are working there? Well, we've heard from people who say, you know, they've just taken out a mortgage. 
is that a sensible thing to do? Will they still have a job? So really, everyone now is waiting for the Secretary of State for Business to make a decision on this purchase by the 12th of September. So the clock is ticking. And is this entirely because the new owners are Chinese? I think there are two things going on here. Yes, there is certainly growing concern about Chinese involvement in UK infrastructure. China has reacted angrily after the government banned Huawei from the UK's 5G networks amid security concerns. It's a major U- And we saw that, didn't we, with Huawei, with the ruling that in terms of the rollout of fibre broadband, Huawei had to be stripped out of that as a Chinese company and concerns over Chinese involvement in critical infrastructure. But there's another thing going on as well, which is the growing importance of the semiconductor industry as a whole. And there was a huge shortage of semiconductors during the pandemic, which meant that car plants had to be shut down, which meant it was really hard to get access to things like computer game consoles. And suddenly, countries around the world have realised that they want greater control over their semiconductor industry. And so Newport Wafer Fab's acquisition is sort of, you know, combination of, of the two things coming together, if you like, the concern about China, the concern about the semiconductor industry. And that's why the deal's been called into review. And at the same time, we've had this new national security legislation which kicked in in January that allowed the business secretary to retrospectively look at deals. So he can go back to November 2020 and say, hang on a second, that doesn't feel quite right. So because this deal happened last year, it fits within that time frame. And so that's exactly what's going on. So Katie, with... 800 people in Wales on tenterhooks, not quite sure whether their jobs are secure. You talked about how most of them are coming out of Asia at the moment. Give us a sense of the history of the semiconductor. Actually, the UK has a really important part to play here. I'm not sure if you've heard of the company Arm, one of the um, most famous semiconductor designers in the world. And the design part of semiconductors is hugely critical. As I described the semiconductor looking like a little city, Mm. the designer is almost like the architect of that, right? Which organizes these tiny transistors on a silicon wafer to direct the flow of electricity. Now, Arm was a company that started in Cambridge. It now designs the chips for companies such as Apple. So you can see how important it is. The UK actually used to have a big semiconductor manufacturing base. But I spoke to Herman Hauser recently, who was one of the first designers of the ARM chip. And I'm old enough to actually remember, it was during the Thatcher era when I was on the advisory board of these issues to the British government. He was advising Margaret Thatcher at the time in the 80s when the UK had a strong manufacturing base. And... Reports came in that uh, Korea is spending $500 million, I remember it so well, because the subsidy of Britain was £200 million. They're spending €500 million on subsidising their semiconductor industry and build up what is now Samsung and uh, all the others. And essentially, we just didn't invest enough in it. And so these businesses closed and parts of Asia for example, Taiwan, did invest. And so now the situation that you have in 2022 is that most of the manufacturing takes place there. And actually, the UK has very little semiconductor manufacturing. 
they couldn't bring themselves, they, could, they didn't understand the strategic importance of the semiconductor industry to keep investing in companies that were actually lead companies in the world. He said people didn't listen. And perhaps at the time it was felt that other industries were more important. But when you look at the cost and the time that it takes to build these manufacturing facilities, which have to be completely sterile, they're known as fabs, hence Newport Wafer Fab. You know, you're talking billions of pounds over five, ten years. And so it's not something that you can bring back particularly quickly and does need continual investment because as electronics develop, these chips get smaller, the manufacturing gets more advanced, which is why many have questioned when you look at Newport Wafer Fab, which was built in the 1980s, just how important is this aging factory to the manufacturer of semiconductors, to the semiconductor supply chain. Now, someone who used to work at the factory, actually, in the 1980s, said to me that, well, it's good. You know, it produces what he called jelly bean chips, basic chips for consumer electronics, and does that very well. Now, I think with hundreds of millions of pounds of investment, it could certainly develop something more sophisticated. People in the area who are working on semiconductors, so for example at Cardiff and Swansea University, say that they had used the fab for research purposes and that it was quite an important part of, of research in the local area. So yes, it does have a certain importance, but whether really we should be thinking about investing in creating new ones, that is the big question when it comes to Newport Wafer. I mean, what is the state of the semiconductor industry in the UK now, after all those years of sending business towards Taiwan? What we're seeing is centres of excellence around places like South Wales. So in South Wales, there's what's called a compound semiconductor industry. And these are the latest semiconductors, the most sophisticated form, and they're used in things like lasers. So Cardiff University is a real centre of excellence there. And there are various businesses such as IQE, Newport Wafer Fab, which have been looking at this area and developing chips. And then you've got other businesses on the design side, where I think because of that history with ARM, the UK does really excel. So there's a business called Graphcore, for example, which is developing chips for use in artificial intelligence. All of the experts that I've spoken to say when the UK is looking around at the moment in this semiconductor land grab that's going on globally and wondering where to put its attention, actually this design side is possibly where we do have a lot of expertise and that's something that we could really start to grow. And is that happening? At the moment, the UK government has two reviews going on into the semiconductor industry. One that's being led by the Department for Culture, Media and Sport and another that's being led by the Business Department's Select Committee. Now, in the autumn, the DCMS review is expected to report and should set out some sort of strategy for where the UK directs its efforts in terms of semiconductor development. But there is huge outcry in the industry that this hasn't happened sooner. The Business Select Committee has recently pulled together experts from across the UK and executives of some of the biggest semiconductor companies here to find out exactly what the state of the UK industry is. And they've been giving MPs a run through of some of the biggest issues they face. One of the things that many of the executives brought up was the land grab that's going on globally into the semiconductor supply chain and what different countries are doing 
to attract the industry to their shores. So we heard from the country manager of Nexperia in the UK. Typically, landing a new uh, initiative in the UK, uh, my colleagues in Germany would like to land it in Germany, and my colleagues in Malaysia would like to land it in Malaysia. And also Simon Thomas, who's the chief executive of the graphene electronics company Paragraph. Our company attended an event in the US called Select USA. It's quite well known. And it's all about the US trying to pull businesses into the country, into, into the different um, states. And then they said, oh, by the way, if you move to this state or this state, we will give you the infrastructure. We will also give you a, a, a tax uh, kind of rebate for the first five years. Which just shows you, I think, what's going on in this sort of battle for the chips. So when you say, is it happening? I would say that people in these clusters of expertise feel like they're working really, really hard to do their thing. But what they really want to hear is where the government plans to put its attentions. Mm. And that's particularly important at the moment because what we've seen is other parts of the world doing that already. So the US recently passed a CHIPS Act, putting $50 billion behind the industry. The bipartisan legislation is meant to boost domestic manufacturing of computer chips to ease America's reliance on other countries. The EU has recently passed their CHIPS Act, putting 43 billion euros behind it. Our goal is to have 20% of the world's microchips production in Europe by 2030. That's twice as much as today. This all comes with subsidies and research and development tax credits trying to bring chip makers to their shores. And so a lot of the semiconductor industry in the UK is actually a little bit dismayed that that hasn't happened here yet, unless you have a sort of coherent strategy where everybody feels like they're moving in the same direction. You lack focus. Presumably the government here must feel compelled to do something, especially having seen in the pandemic how everything came to a stop. Is there a sense that they want to sort of be able to protect their supply line for semiconductors? That's a very interesting point of view, and it's quite difficult to know exactly what this strategy is going to come up with. But I've spoken to a couple of people within government who do believe that what we'll see is an attempt to double down on the areas that we are good at. And that might be design and it might be compound semiconductors. Most experts say now, frankly, in terms of manufacture, the ship sailed. It's so expensive to mm. build these factories and the time it takes possibly means that actually now that's not going to happen. But if you've got relationships with so-called friendly powers who have got control of that manufacturing supply chain, like the States, like the EU, then the, the way the UK feeds into that supply chain is in the architecture bit of the chip in that design, which is really crucial to then the manufacturing process. Coming up, what might happen to Newport Wafer Fab? But first, a quick message from two of my colleagues. Hello, I'm Chloe Tilly. Join me and Callum McDonald for Times Radio Breakfast every Friday, Saturday and Sunday from 6am. We'd love to have you with us as we go through the biggest news stories of the weekend, sport and business. Yeah, we'll analyse the day's news. We'll look at the politics, hopefully bring you some warmth and some fun over breakfast. And of course, answer any questions that you have, particularly surrounding the cost of living crisis. 
we can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. I hope you are one. If you're not, subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. for a lot of people listening then it will seem even more surprising that we've got to a situation where where Newport Wafer Fab one of the few places that is producing semiconductors in this country how did it ever even come to be sold to the Chinese if it's such an important asset this is where it gets very complicated and I think the big question for me over Newport Wafer Fab since I started looking at it is how important is this facility right because it was made in the 80s in a way this is an ageing facility. It's 40 years old. It came to be sold practically because Nexperia, which at the time was Dutch and then was sold to the Chinese, owned 14% of Newport Wafer Fab. It had a clause in its contract with them that should the supply of the chips that it was buying from Newport Wafer Fab fail, it would have the right to step in and buy it. And essentially, that's what happened. It got into financial difficulty. It looked around for funds from other places. It turned to the Welsh government, turned to the UK government, looked at private equity, and it couldn't get funds from anywhere. And thus, Nexperia stepped in and bought it. It was controversial at the time. It was raised in Parliament. The purpose of this urgent question is to give Parliament an opportunity to make its views known about the strategic importance of the Chinese takeover of Wafer Fab, a semiconductor manufacturer based in Newport. There was a review by the National Security Advisor into whether it should be sold or not, and the sale was allowed to go through. My sense is, from speaking to people in the industry, that it could produce more sophisticated chips, that it could potentially in future have a role to play in the UK supply chain. But that would require a huge amount of investment. And Mm. frankly, without having a semiconductor strategy in place, it's very difficult to know where it sits. That's so interesting. Just to clarify, if the government does unwind this sale, what happens to the company? I mean, just does the government come in and fill in the gap? Does it provide the funding or does it just open it up to the market again? The likelihood is that it would have to be sold on. And I think that's where this gets really complicated because Nexperia would still own that 14% of it. Mm. And then who buys it? Who wants it? And would that buyer be any better or worse? So I keep talking about Nexperia as a Chinese-owned firm and Yes, their parent company is Chinese, but they're also, I should say, a well-respected global semiconductor firm who have proved to be a reliable 
stable, if perhaps not particularly exciting, owner. The other thing the government could do is put various restrictions around Nixperia's ownership. So perhaps they could say things like, you're not allowed to make microchips for use in the defence industry. Hmm. Or if there's a shortage, the UK needs to have priority for, I don't know, medical equipment. So there are other ways, apart from a straight sale of the business, that they could manage this transaction. But there's no doubt it has been extremely complicated, not least because of the Chinese parent company and this growing awareness of, hey, we don't really have a chip industry anymore. And uh, we sold off one of our factories. And Katie, I mean, stepping back, that points to a bigger problem for the government of thinking about, you know, after the pandemic, we've become very aware of what happens when global supply chains are suddenly halted. You know, we're in a world of trouble if we can't produce these things ourselves. But at the same time, that's going to be difficult if you've got sort of foreign investors coming into into investing companies like Newport Wafer Fab, who suddenly think that the government might pull the rug from under them. Where does this leave our national strategy around around industry and the important bits of industry that we think we should protect? Yeah, that's definitely a point I've heard raised from a lot of parties. And I think it goes back to that point about security. If you feel that you're going to be putting money into a country, you want to know that you'll be there for the long term, that you'll see a return on that. And certainly, as you say, not necessarily have that investment overturned. Now, on the flip side of that, you also hear from people talking a lot about economic security. And so, There's a sort of tension, isn't there, between you want to encourage foreign investment, but the reason we've introduced this new national security legislation, which Newport Fab is being examined under, is because there's been a concern that in the past we have been selling businesses to foreign investors that perhaps we should have kept hold of. Are we basically having to step back and reassess our view of globalisation? Yeah, I think that is going on. And it's interesting because I'm actually hearing this from other industries too. If you look at other things like energy security, for example, a lot of industries are saying that the UK needs an industrial strategy to give people the security to invest, to build, to put infrastructure in place for the long term. And it'll be really interesting to see what the new prime minister comes up with in this regard. And maybe the first of that we'll see is what they say about semiconductors in the autumn. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the technology business editor for The Times, Katie Prescott. You can read more of Katie's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by David Crackles. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely weekend. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.